bless you. God bless you, Brother John. You may be seated. Just like I just got here, and now it's saying the last night. Well, this has been the most unusual meeting that I have had in a long time. You're Brother Babs, aren't you? I recognize you today out there where we were eating, and when we got finished, I, I was looking over, I said, isn't that my friends from El Dorado? I think that's right, El Dorado. And Brother Jack said, sure is. And we got talking there, and then first thing you know, you were gone. I didn't get to shake your hand. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. Brother Babs from El Dorado. Some bad Remember this, brother. Remember the little front room of mine? Yes. Yes, sir, I do. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, I believe you have two lovely daughters. And I remember one of them started on one day to the platform, and she'd been married a long time and didn't have any children. And when she started up to the platform, the Holy Spirit turned me and said, You're seeking a child, and thus saith the Lord, you'll have it. I was there just a few hours before it was born, and there it was. She had. Somebody told me she has three now. Wonderful, that. He always gives good measure, you know. <laughs> that's very fine. Well, that's very fine. I'm so happy for that. Um, uh, I believe that that's the Bible. A woman that has the respects enough to raise a child in these days when they do everything else and try to get rid of them, I, God will respect that. I got a lady up in Canada that was, I believe she's 53 or 54 years old. She'd been married since she was about 18. They had no children, and one night, his while Brother Jack was with me, and the lady came up, they're German people, I forget their name, just now, and she said, uh, come on the platform, the Holy Spirit said, you're seeking for a baby. Yes. Past the age, she's about 40-something, 48, 47, 48, then, said, that's right. I said, well, you shall embrace the Son. Thus saith the Lord. I always watch that. See, thus saith the Lord. One's a vision. That's what I'm seeing. Then what I see he does, that's one thing I'm seeing, what I'm looking at. Next thing I'm seeing, what he's going to do. You see, this is what I'm saying. That's what he's saying. See, about two or three years passed, and nothing happened. She thought, well, there's something wrong. And she got to doubt, and she said, well, Brother Branham just didn't see the vision right. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so she said, after three or four years passed, she said, I know I can't have it now. She's done way up around 50 years old or better. And so she and I come through from up, up and way up in northern the Yukons on a hunting trip, come by and had one night's meeting in little villages coming by. Want to come to this city where she lives while well, uh, Calgary and I she came to her husband came to the meeting she didn't come and I said or sister and I didn't have any top coat and he gave wanted to give me his and I wouldn't take it and he's standing back I said for sister I said brother Branham she's broke down with TB and I said oh my 
And I stood and looked at him and just kind of, you have to feel the people's feeling. You can never help anybody unless you get right into it with them. You, you got to enter into their suffering. If you don't do it, you just, you're just out. You got to have a love and something that makes you just be right with them. And that hurt me so bad to hear that she had two burglar. I looked. I said, here's what's caused it. She doubted about that baby. He said, Brother Branham, that's exactly the truth. I said, now she's off in some sort of a ism about drinking juices and things like that. Don't eat any meats. And don't. She said, that's exactly right. I said, that's what broke her down in TB. Her body's undernourished. I said, you go tell her that I said, thus saith the Lord. Don't doubt that. I don't care if she's 90 years old. She'll still have the baby. See? And so he went back and told her. And she threw away her juices and started eating normally and came back and believed it. And then I was with Brother Fred Sothman. He's here somewhere. Um, we was, uh, Fred, what was those people's name? Doble. And we were, where was that place where, way up there at the end of the world? Uh, Prince Albert. Up at Prince Albert. And um, this woman, she was that old and was going to have this baby. And the doctors was wondering what was going to take place. Didn't think she could have it. So show their faithfulness and their thoughts. They put her on a train in an ambulance affair and brought her up to that meeting to see what the Lord would say. The Lord spoke and said, tell her to return back. She has a boy coming. Well, she no more than got home till she got that fine big boy. And there she was. And way she's way in her 50s, you see. But he's never failed. When he says anything, it'll be just that way. Got to be. I was thinking, is Brother Welch Evans here? Brother Fred, did he come? He never come. Um, I was thinking here not long ago to just show how easy, how loving the Lord is and how, how he loves to heal. He, uh, we were fishing down in Florida. had a meeting down in Georgia. Went on down to Florida to fish about two days. And this Mr. Evans is a staunch Christian, a lovely brother. And his brother is not a Christian, so he run a bait shop. We went out in some kind of a jungle there where you had to rake snakes out of the way and gators to get into where we could fish. And his brother had been bitten by a ground rattler. I don't know. I don't think he had them in Louisiana. They're little bitty rascals, and they're real bad. When they bite you, they kill you. And so um, they're worse than the cottonmouth. And so this boy had been bitten by one out there. He's quite a fisherman, and they sent him to the hospital. And about three months, I believe, wasn't it, Brother Fred? He had laid in the hospital. He was then a great big brace under his leg, walking around. They thought he'd lose his leg if he didn't lose his life. It was very bad. Well, I, the Lord had blessed me, and I'd call all oh, the vast, great big ones. And I was so happy about it. I had a big one on the line, and I couldn't even hold him. And he would uh, he'd jump, and you had to hold him up on a pole, and he'd shake the bait out of his mouth, and I'd throw out a little popper back, and he got it the third time. Well, everybody threw their pole down and run up there, and, and I said, I just can't hold him. So I let him rest a little bit and tried it again. And I, another one, that would have weighed 12, 14 pounds, and this looked about 10 or 11 pounds, and I was holding him on. I said, that's not him. But when I got him played out and was bringing him up to the shore, Brother Evans there with his trouser legs rolled up and he isn't afraid of anything and so he said wait a minute brother Branham a lot of pads and things that I'll take him off for you and I said well that's all right I'll just drag him in if he gets off we don't care 
So he said, I'll get him. He just stepped in, and about that time, a little old ground rattler was laying on one of those pads, caught him right in the foot. I never heard a man scream so in my life. And when he jumped out of the water and grabbed his leg and fell over on the bank like that, oh, it just paralyzes you just in a moment. I grabbed his foot, looked just about an inch apart, was two holes and blood oozing out of him. I grabbed my gun and looked for the rattler, and I see him going down through the weeds like that. I couldn't even shoot him, and he was gone. I thought, oh, my. And nobody there was with me at that time, but it could help me. Little Billy Paul was there, and I'd had to pack him on my back for about two miles through them jungles and just water and up almost sometimes pretty near over knee deep. And he weighs about almost 200, so I know I'd be hard to pull him through that. So I thought, what can we do? And he just, just gritting his teeth, catch his breath, going, and the tears running down his cheek. He said, Brother Brennan, my leg is paralyzed. It goes right straight to the bone, you know. And said, my leg is paralyzed, just holding his teeth like that. So it feels like it's froze all the way down through. I thought, oh, mercy, what can I do? And just then, I heard that scripture. They shall tread on the heads of serpents and scorpions. Nothing in no eye shall bother them. So I just took off my hat and I said, now try to be just as easy as you can, Brother Welch, so I can hold my hands over this bite. And the Heavenly Father knows it's true. And then when I put my hand up on his foot there and I said, Father, you are a very present help in a time of trouble. And you never fail us. And our brother is bitten by this serpent and it's written in your word that they shall tread on the heads of serpents and scorpions and nothing shall harm them. And it says, if they... Take up a serpent, it shall not harm them. He was trying to help me, and this evil serpent grabbed him. Now, you're Lord Jesus on this bank here, a fishing. If you wasn't, I'd never go fishing. And I know you're here, and I ask you to be merciful to us and, and take away this serpent poison from his leg. And I stopped praying, and I didn't hear him suffering anymore. And when I got through praying, he was sitting there laughing. He said, Brother Brenham, I haven't got a pain. So it's all gone. And he got up and walked around. About 11 o'clock that evening, I caught 11 bass that weighed average nearly 12 pounds apiece. And I, and I got them in, and he's coming around taking pictures of them in a tourist court there. And his brother came up. So we got to testifying about it. His brother, a sinner, said, had been in the hospital, you see. It's good to be a Christian. See? They that believe shall tread on the heads of scorpions and serpents. Didn't say about the unbeliever. But this man was a believer. And his brother said, and he showed him the places there where, he said, now look, brother, it's good to be religious, but not good to be crazy. He said, you better get to the hospital just as quick as you can. He said, get some serum in you, because if you don't, he said, you may be crippled the rest of your life, and you may die at any time. He said, that happened this morning about... 10 o'clock, and this is after 11 tonight. If the serum God give me this morning to stop the pain to help this long, it'll keep me on. <laughs> it was, so it's still holding. That's been months and months and months ago. No evil effect. Just to show that uh, He is still the Lord God. So wonderful. I know this. I'm taking time, and we don't want to stay too long tonight. I'm just going to speak for a few moments. But I've just got one more request I'd like to ask. One thing, before I ask this very special request, it'll perhaps this next year I'll be much overseas, the Lord willing, 
for I feel that if there is a this year and I live to see it this coming year, I'll be making up my itinerary right away now. And Christmas weeks when we pray over all the requests and see where the Lord will lead us. Now probably be before witch doctors and everything as usual when we go overseas. Can I ask you to pray for me? Mm. I want to say that this has been one of the most outstanding meetings that I've ever been in. The strangest thing happened. I love the people at Shreveport. I'm your associate pastor, you know. But I had not been here for about five years. And just going just as hard as I could go day and night. And about two months ago, I started Shreveport come on my heart, and I just couldn't even rest day and night. And even brought to... One day I was sitting there thinking so hard about it, I started weeping. He said, what's the matter? I said, I'm just so hungry to see Shreveport. She said, well, what's the matter? I said, maybe, maybe something's wrong down there. Think we should call? And, or she said, if there, I think if, if there was, they would call you, Bill. said, you know how the Lord's always showed you when Sister Moore was dying and he was on your road there and how he got out and prayed and different things and how uh, things that he's done. said, has he showed you anything? I said, no. Well, said, if there's anything happened, they'd call you. said, if you go calling like that, it might upset them and think that something's going to happen. So I said, won't you just leave it alone? I said, well, I just can't keep from praying somehow. I just get so lonesome. And I met Brother Jack. And he said, well, we're getting lonesome to see you. The first thing you know, Sister Moore had been on her face for a long time praying, and God had children this coming meeting. Then I'd already made an arrangement with some Baptist people for the, the time. And when Brother Moore said it was this time, I went out and asked them. And it's a pastor, uh, the church that I used to pastor at Milltown, Indiana, the Milltown Baptist Church. They sure never want to give that annual thing up on Thanksgiving. But I said, Brethren, the Lord is leading me to Shreveport. Why? I don't know. But I must go to Shreveport. They said, Well, if that's the case, go ahead and the Lord be with you. I'm sure glad that I got to come. It's been an outstanding thing to me how the Lord has blessed nightly and has done great things. There's one thing that I have to find out about before I leave or I won't feel too satisfied. Billy, Lois, and them constantly saying to me, you don't come at the right time. Well, I, I don't know why. <laughs> so tonight, Billy says, the reason is that Sister Anna Jean had made a song, wrote a song about a love you, Jesus, or something. I wonder if I could hear a little course of that before I preach. Would you like that? Enjoy it with me? What is that song? Thank you, Jesus. That's it. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like to hear it. Would you like to hear it with me? Oh, just a few minutes. I don't believe... I'm going to write and tell Brother Outlaw you better practice on it. Up, up, up. <laughs> Keep that going, Sister Anna Jean. That's fine. She's a spokesman, an auditor, and I don't know what all, and now she's a poet, <laughs> songwriter. That's beautiful. And I, Brother Moore was just telling me how you come and he brought me a mighty long ways from Thailand. That's very fine. You know, it takes the heart to cry out after something to make it real. See, that's it. When the heart's crying out. Well, I just... Thank you for all your cooperation, for all everything that you've done. God bless you. And pray for me now. And we're going to uh, pray for the sick just in a few moments. And I, I've got some handkerchiefs here but to pray over. 
And a colored lady told me that uh, she had a handkerchief in here for a loved one. And a setting next to a lady, you know, anyone, come look up in there. You can't tell whether those people are colored or white from here. That's right. But the Holy Spirit had them people out here walking out here before me. And that's the reason I know they were colored, colored people. Someone said, now, how could you see them up in there? I said, I didn't see them. I see them out here. That's right. Out here is where it was at. And they were sitting there with faith believing, and God performed the work. That's all. That's all it takes. Just have faith and believe. And now, if any time I can pray over a handkerchief or anything for you, just write me at Jeffersonville, and I'll be glad to send it right back to you free of charge. Cost nothing. And um, soon we got the books coming off. And uh, Brother Jack told me I don't like to announce my own meetings uh, uh, somewhere like this. But now, if you've got some loved ones that's around near Jeffersonville, next week, beginning next Sunday, at the Tabernacle, uh, next Sunday morning, I take the first chapter of Revelations to give the setting, the unveiling of Revelations. Now, the Revelation in the Greek word means like taking the, uh, the cloth off of a statue, the, the unveiling it, see? And that's the unveiling of Jesus Christ in the seven church ages. And I'm writing a little commentary on it. I can't write it, of course, but I just have to speak it under the inspiration as I receive it. And then, of course, they'll magnetic tape it, and then from there I'll go to shorthand, shorthand to the print. And now we'll have the tapes, and we'll also have, um, have, uh, have it in book form pretty soon, the Lord willing. And um, maybe next time I come down, we'll have them. So if you're around there, any of your loved ones, tell them to drop in. Now, we, we're trying to get enough room to take care of the people because it just announced right there, but we've already heard, I forget, for how many states around, you see, that people are coming in, already got reservations, stay in the week like that. Monday night, we'll be on the Ephesus Church, and then Smyrna and Sardis, and on down to Thyatira, on down to the Sunday morning a week, I'll be speaking on the Laodicean church. And in between there, how that there's an open door set between the Philadelphian and the Laodicean church age. And that's the door we want to speak of <laughs> on that service. Now, the Lord bless, and you be praying for me. Now, before we approach the great word, the word of God, the infallible word, my faith is built solemnly up on this word. When this word says it, then I, I just believe it. Uh, I don't try to add anything to it or take anything away from it. And this morning, I, I might have to apologize to these, some of these fine people here about some of those rude remarks about mules <laughs> being illegitimate. But uh, uh, I didn't mean to be rude or sacrilegious, but I was just trying to make a point. You understand, don't you? Anything a mule. <laughs> oh, my that's what man did. See, he can't, he can't come back. He, he, he can't go no farther. He, he, he don't know who his papa and mama. He, he just, he just, he's just without hope. That's all. That's all. He, he can never be, reproduce himself again. So he just... But you know, if anything, he doesn't have no... He'll wait all of his lifetime to get kicked you just before he dies and kill you. He can. He sure will do it. He'll just wait all of his lifetime, laying back, just waiting. I'll get you around behind me someday. And that's just the way a lot of people in churches like that. That's right. 
Oh, I'll pat you on the back till I get a chance to cut your throat, see. But you know, I like a horse, don't you? Oh, especially a pedigreed horse. One that that knows his, uh, his ancestors, who they are, where they come from. From Papa, Mama, Grandpapa, Great-Grandpapa, Great-Great-Grandpapa, all the way back. He knows his line of blood. You can put some confidence in him. That's the way it is with, uh, with a Christian. It's a, I like a pedigreed Christian, a Holy Ghost-born Christian. Not out of some creed, but he knows what bloodstream he's from. He's genuine, pedigreed, Pentecostal throughout. Born to the Holy Ghost. All the way back to Pentecost, his experience. I like that. A pedigreed Christian. He knows where he comes from. He knows who his papa is, who his mama is, who his savior is, and who his God is. Amen. A real pedigreed Christian. I like that. And so that's the difference. A mule, he doesn't know. He just sticks his ears out and cannot learn nothing, knows nothing. and <laughs> He's a critter, all right. <clears throat> now... Do you love the word of the Lord? Oh, my, it's wonderful. Now, I'm going to speak tonight on divine healing, the Lord willing, a little along that line. But let's turn now to Matthew, the 12th chapter, for a little uh, text, and then from this draw a context, the Lord willing. Matthew, the 12th chapter. And now, let's start reading at the 38th verse of Matthew, the 12th chapter. To you who are taking down the text, as many times people in meetings do, they take the text down and, and keep it kind of in their mind. Then when they get the tapes, they rehearse it and so forth. Then certain of the scribes and all the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall be no sign given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The man of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, uh, greater than Jonas this year, the queen of the south shall rise in the judgment with this generation, and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, uh, greater than Solomon this year. Let's bow our heads now while we speak to the author. Gracious Lord, these words were copied by the scribe Matthew. It's your own word. And we know thy word is life. It is condemnation to the unbeliever and life to him that believeth. We pray, Lord, if there be any unbelievers, that they will become believers tonight. If there is any sick, may they be healed. If there is any weary, may they be made happy. With no joy, joy all run out of their wells, may the love of God plaster up that well again and a rain of God pour into it. Grant it, Lord. Forgive us of our trespasses as we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us. 
And we would ask, Lord, that you would receive us as your servants. And we pray that you'll give us a great climax to this uh, few days of conference and meeting here. How we thank you for what's already been done. And now we ask that there will not be one feeble person left in our midst. Spiritually feeble or physically feeble. May the power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave come into every heart tonight. Give deliverance from sin and unbelief. Give deliverance from sickness and affliction. And may we lay every little ark to aside, look straight to Calvary now, and receive God's blessings. I believe that this meeting was ordained of you. And I believe that things will come from this meeting that we do not understand as yet. But in the days that is to come, that we will see that this meeting was brought by the manifold wisdom of God. Missionaries will be leaving from here. Be with them, Lord. Calls has been given to people. Great signs and wonders of the risen Lord has been done. Spirits that were all man in the days gone by that you have used has manifested themselves among us, especially the Holy Ghost. Father, we pray that you'll bless Brother Moore, Sister Moore, and all that's connected with this tabernacle. Guide and direct them. Every minister, missionary, or what in this building tonight, or has been in here, may they have received something that will inspire them to move on swiftly, for the hour is approaching. Then the time will come where there will be no more work that we can do. Soon it will be cut off from us. As we see the fruit of dwindling, the vine being purged, I pray, Father, that you will grant these blessings through Jesus Christ our Lord. We ask it in his name. Amen. I want to use five words for a text. The Queen of the South. Someone might say, well, isn't that kind of small text for your closing service? Yes, it's kind of a small text. That is true. But it's out of the Bible. That's what makes it good. See, it isn't the size of it. It's the quality of it. Not the quantity. It's quality. I've often said a little friend one time searching in an attic got in an old trunk and found a little postage stamp that... And he thought he'd get a nickel out of it for ice cream, and he's taking it to the stamp collector, and he gave him a dollar. That satisfied the little boy, and so the stamp collector sold it for hundreds of dollars, and now I think it goes into hundreds times hundreds of dollars, a little old yellow stamp. Now, as far as the paper, it wasn't worth nothing, but it's what was on the paper that means. Now, the Queen of the South is just five words. And it is the paper it's written on. It's the value of the word that's written on the paper. The whole Bible was given to me by Brother Kidson many years ago. And the Bible probably cost about $25, a Schofield Bible. But it's, this here will expel either life or death to us. And in that is a pardon for every man that will hear it. 
And it's a condemnation to those who does not hear it. One time the great Abraham Lincoln was called to act. A man was sentenced to death to die under a firing squad for a military uh, desertment or something. He had, what they call, run over the hill or done some military offense. And he was sentenced to die. And the man was just nervous and afraid. And <clears throat> he was sentenced, oh, by some cruel generals or something that he was to die. A good friend of his rushed to Mr. Lincoln, and as he was going from his carriage into his room, he told him, this man is a good man. He's even a Christian man. And he, he, Mr. Lincoln, you are a Christian, and he's going to die. He's going to die tomorrow morning before firing squad. Sir, you being a Christian, and know this man's condition, he didn't mean to violate any laws. He was afraid when he got in battle. You're the only one can save him. Mr. Lincoln just jerked up a piece of paper and wrote on there, Pardon, Abraham Lincoln, sent it back. And so when he come to the prison cells where his friend was waiting, he said, Oh, thanks be to God you are pardoned. Mr. Lincoln pardons you. So he looks around, he looks at the paper, he said, Why would you make fun of me now when I'm fixing to die under a firing squad? So that isn't Abraham Lincoln. So that isn't his, his signature. If I had a pardon from Abraham Lincoln, said it would, well, it would be written and sealed and everything. He said, no, that ain't on the right kind of paper. He said, I, I won't receive that. The next morning, the man died as it was sentenced to die. Now, here this man holds a pardon by Abraham Lincoln not to shoot him, and then he was shot. It was tried in federal courts, and here was their decision. A pardon is not a pardon unless it be received as a pardon. That's the Word of God. It's healing to those who can receive it as healing, but not healing to those who cannot receive it as healing. It's a pardon of sin to those who believe that they are forgiven of sin, but it's no good to those who won't receive it that way. The promise of the Holy Ghost is an assurance to you that you'll get it if you receive it that way. It depends on your attitude towards the Word. The Word is the, not the paper, it's just a book. But it's, it's Christ made manifest on paper. That's what it is. God in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. See, and His words are spirit and life. We receive his word just like it was he himself. When I see his promise, to me that's Christ. I embrace it. He can't lie. To, to me that's exactly the truth. See? I might not know how to take a hold of it, but it's the truth. And I hold right with it because it's Christ to me. In our text tonight we find Jesus upbraiding and rebuking a bunch of people who had refused to believe that he was the Messiah. Though he had done many Messiah signs among the people, and they had called him, just the previous two verses behind this, Beelzebub. And he said, if you call me an evil name, I'll forgive you. You see me do... Let me kind of interpret it this way so you'll get what I mean. You call me when I show you the works of God. You call me Beelzebub. Now, Beelzebub is a, like a fortune teller, a devil. You call me Beelzebub, I'll forgive you for that. See? 
But someday the Holy Ghost is coming to do the same thing. And you speak against that, it'll never be forgiven. In this world or neither in the world that is to come. There's the seriousness of what we're going through with today. Always, and he upbraided them because they had not received him. And re, after he had done the works of God and showed that he was the Messiah. Now, if he spoke those words, they are absolutely the truth. Then in this day that we live in where the Holy Spirit has come and doing the same works over again, you see where we stand tonight? It's a, it's a horrible thing to think that people today will still call the work of God the devil. And Jesus was upbraiding them. Now, if we'll go back a little bit in the Bible, we'll find out that God in all ages at all times has had gifts in his church. There never has been a time but what God, when he comes into his church, supernatural things take place. I know I'm speaking to historians. Brother Moore is one of as good as I ever know of. Himself. And any time that the church ever had a revival, always a sign of supernatural is in the meeting. God heals the sick, speaks with tongues, and does other miracles and signs. Every time they've ever had a revival. And even previous to the coming of Christ, Every time that God sent a or a move among the people, the signs of supernatural was among them. So you see, we're evangelical. We believe, we absolutely believe that God lives in His church and in His people. We believe that. And He shows the sign of the joy and power of the King in the camp. So through the ages that had all kinds of signs, and He referred to some of them here. One of them, he said, as it was in Jonah's time, called him Jonah. Now, many people condemns poor old Jonah. And Jonah was a prophet, but I always felt sorry for him, because so many in this day condemned Jonah and say he was out of the will of the Lord, so I'm going to take up for Jonah and say he wasn't out of the will of the Lord. Uh, well, you watch and see now, we'll go take his life for a few moments and examine it. Jonah was on his way to, to Nineveh, of course. And the Bible says that the footsteps of the righteous is ordered of the Lord. Then Jonah could not have done anything being a prophet without God leading him. I've done things myself, and so of you, you thought it was silly to really what you thought was right, but come to find out it was just exactly right. See, God always does that because He leads the righteous. You just go the way the Spirit leads. And Jonah got in trouble out on the sea, and we know how the story goes that he was tied hands and foot and thrown out of the ship, and a fish come along and picked him up, as we call the whale. And he went down in the bottom of the sea after eating Jonah, swallowing him up, and he got down in the bottom of the sea, and so they... That's a story that always uh, baffles science. Because science says that the whale's swallow isn't big enough to take a man in. But if you notice, the Bible said that God prepared this one. This was a special kind of a, a, a fish. God, he's Jehovah Jireh. 
He can provide anything he wants to do because he's God. Abraham called him Jehovah-Jireh because he spoke that sacrifice into existence. He's still Jehovah-Jireh. He can provide what he wishes, and he prepared this fish. A little girl happy one time coming from church with her Bible she was going on the infidel, met her and said, What you so happy about? I said, I just got saved. Jesus is in my heart. said, Nonsense. I said, What you holding in your Bible? I said, Yes. I said, I guess you believe that story about the whale and Jonah. I said, Oh, yes, I believe it every word. What God says is the truth. He said, Well, how are you going to prove it otherwise than faith? She said, When I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. That's right. He said, Then what if Jonah isn't there? I said, Then you asked him. <laughs> That's a good idea, then. You ask him. All right. God always has the answer if you just open your mouth when he opens it. God made a special fish for Jonah. And he swallowed him. I believe it. Every word of it. And he went down into the sea. And a fish, when it feeds, feeds your little goldfish, you'll notice him. He goes right down to the bottom, rests his little swimmers on the bottom of the fishbowl. You ever feed him? Get a little belly full? He goes right down. Rest at the bottom of the fishbowl. A fish does that. After he goes out and feeds, it comes right back over the nest and rests. Well, this whale that swallowed this prophet went down to the bottom of the sea to rest. And here was Jonah wallowing around in that vomit down there in the bottom of the sea. And I always thought people say, well, my arm is no better. And my foot's no better. I don't feel any better. You'll never feel any better looking at that. You're looking at your symptoms. As long as you look at your symptoms, you're not going to see nothing else but your symptoms. It depends on what you're looking at. Now look at Jonah. Now he was in a critical shape. There's nobody here in this tabernacle that bad off tonight. He was in the belly of the whale. If you look this way, it was a whale's belly. Everywhere he looked, it was a whale's belly. And he said, they are lying vanities. Once more will I look to your holy temple. For he know that when Solomon dedicated that temple, why, he prayed and said, Lord, if our people be in trouble anywhere and look towards this holy temple and pray, then you hear from heaven. And he believed the prayer of Solomon would be answered. So God made that sick fish turn right around and take Jonah to the landing. Now, if Jonah, under those circumstances could look to a temple that was built by a man, Solomon, that later backslid, an earthly temple and a prayer of an ordinary man, and God could do a miracle like that for him, how much more can he do for you and I when we refuse to look at our conditions? And once more, when I look to the holy temple where Jesus sits at the right hand of the majesty on high, making intercession upon our confession. Amen. How can we look at a symptom? I look at Jesus. Not what, not what this looks like, but what that said. Look at Calvary. Look what a price was paid for. person comes and said, I'm too low down, Brother Bram. God never saved me. Don't look how bad you are. Look how good he is. Don't never look at yourself. Look at him. The priest never did see the... the the one that the sacrifice is made for. As Brother Biles was, you said about his little mule. He said a mule would be born and his ears was dropped down and his 
tail sticking up, his knees bowed and his eyes crossed. said, well, if he could talk, he'd say, well, when they come out, they'll knock me in the head because they won't feed me. I ain't worth feeding. But if his mammy was well instructed, she'd say, son, you don't have to worry. You were born under a birthright. There'll have to be a lamb without a blemish die for you so that you can live. And that's exactly right. The priest never saw the mule. He didn't examine the mule. He examined the lamb. Not the blemish on the mule, the blem- if there's any blemish on the lamb. So if you can't find any blemish on him, what you worried about then? It's not you, it's him. God don't look at you, he looks at him. You see it? See it, sister? You see it, brother, sitting here? You see it? It's not you he's looking at. He's looking at Christ. That's the sacrifice. He looks at the sacrifice. So Jonah, to continue with him, we notice that the people of Nineveh was very wicked. I'm told they were idolaters. And they worshipped animals. And the god of the sea was a whale. And their occupation was fishing. So when all the men went to work that morning, a city the size of St. Louis about, went out into the sea with their boats, here come the sea god rolling into the bank, licked out his tongue for a gangplank, here come the prophet walking right out of his mouth. No wonder they repented. (laughs) See? Yes. Sure. They repented because their God had put forth a prophet by a supernatural sign. Amen. No wonder he said he would condemn this generation. The people in Jonah's time. I want to drop this a little bit too while we're going along. If it will be good to you. Watch. He said, And the people of Nineveh shall rise in this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And a greater than Jonah's here. Now watch when they asked him, he said, There will be said, Give us a sign after so many things he had done. See that devil? Just like he said, perform a miracle, you're gonna turn these stones into bread. Uh, put a rag around his face and hit him on the head, said, Tell us who hit you. We'll believe it. You're a prophet, tell us who hit you. That same devil will do the same thing. Heal this one here, let me see you heal him. See that? That's that same devil. Living in religious people. Let me see you perform a miracle. I don't know old man so-and-so sells pencils down your corners and cripple. Let me see you divine healers heal. Just remember, that's the devil. See? We don't clown for them. God never, Jonah never, no one else does. They just let them alone. They be blind leading the blind. So just don't say nothing to them. Just keep moving on. We've got more that believes it than a fool of the unbelievers. But watch, Jesus said... Our evil and an adulterous generation will seek after a sign. And they will receive no sign but the sign of Jonah. For Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so the Son of Man must be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Notice. I get it. What kind of a generation? A wicked, evil, adulterous generation. He was speaking of this generation. Or any generation. That would say, perform me a sign. Show me. That's what he's telling him. 
How these guys today that don't believe in divine healing and don't believe in miracles, it's asking, let me see you heal this, let me see you heal that one. The Bible said they would get a sign. What kind of sign would it be? The sign of the resurrection. Hallelujah. We have it. Amen. It's here now. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and is alive after 2,000 years. Showing himself among us. A wicked, an adulterous, evil generation. Adulterous generation. That's this generation. Like Sodom. We've come back to it again. He said that generation will seek after a sign. And they will have a sign. The sign will be the resurrection. You get it? And now they call it to make send them farther away from God. They say, it's the devil. It's mind reading. It's telepathy or something. Not knowing that it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ among his people. Glory. Oh, as it was in the days of Jonas, see, many. Now, we come to Solomon. In the days of Solomon, any Bible reader knows that that was the golden age of Israel. That was their best days they ever had. That was their uh, amateur millennium. Everything prospered under Solomon. Why? When God gives a gift to a people or a nation or a people, and those people will recognize that gift, it's a golden age for them. If they turn it down, it's chaos for them. That's the reason he kept saying, a greater than Solomon is here, and they were turning it down. Well, let's take Solomon for a few moments. Solomon has given a gift of discernment, and all Israel rallied around it. Everybody believed it. Why, well, he had a gift of discernment. And he could discern for the people. And everybody was one heart and one accord around the great gift of God. Praise God, great Jehovah. They sang the songs. They built the temple. They'd done great things because they were happy. Jehovah had put a gift of discernment in one man, Solomon. And they was all happy about it. Oh, if America tonight would rally around the gift of God. It would be a golden age. It would be a millennium for us here. What if we'd rally around the gift of God? That's the Holy Ghost, of course. All America would rally around the gift that God sent to us, the Holy Ghost. It would be a time that they'd break down every wall of petition between Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Pentecostals. And we'd have a golden age. And the power of God would sweep this nation from sea to shining sea. Every nation under heaven would fear us. That's the best protection we have. God's protection. We don't have to build atomic bombs, race Russia and missile race. Just come back to God. Accept the gift that He gave us. But they won't do it. Well, you can't even get many of the Pentecostal brethren to do it, let alone Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Lutheran, so forth. Can't get many to believe it. They don't rally around. What's left then? Chaos! God sends it. It's up to you to receive it. Now, when uh, that gift was received, all the people in one accord 
while everybody passed through there, they'd tell them, oh, before you leave, you must go up. You've heard of our God. Our God is Jehovah. Great Jehovah who made the heavens and earth. Oh, before you leave our nation, you must stay long enough to see one of the meetings. Oh, you sh- you'd be surprised to see how the great power of God comes up on a man. And watch how he discerns the cases between right and wrong for the people. Well, you should see it. It's wonderful. Well, people would come by and see it. And, oh, how their hearts was all lit up and gone. Nobody talking and saying, Ah, I don't believe it's that. Mm-mm, that ain't of God. Everybody was one heart around it. If the people is called by the name of Jesus Christ, if the people is called the Christian church, just them people alone would assemble themselves together and pray and accept the gift that God has sent us, there wouldn't be one foul word about the thing. Why, there'd be such a wonderful outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The nations would hear it. Headlines, television news, it'd go around the world. If we could just get it, but they won't do it. Then what's left? An atomic bomb waits for us. So, for the unbeliever, Jesus waiting for us. Thank the Lord. There's a way out. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become sons of God. Them that believed on his name. Now, Solomon, we find out then that people was talking and everywhere. Then the news, they didn't have televisions then and newspapers. It was from lip to ear. And every time people go into another nation, they'd bring in the news, Oh, God, the great Jehovah God of the, of the Jews. Well, then people want a card. And they built a big temple. You've never seen such splendor. You've never seen such unity. You've never seen such power. And God has visited a man there, and they've made him their king. We can't even make one like that a pastor. We make him a king, and oh, what a great power that God's using, that fellow Solomon up there. God is doing a great thing. Now, the news kept spreading till one day it got way down into Sheba. Now, that's a long ways down there. And caravans would come through, you know, and, and they would, um, uh, uh, as they come in, every traveler coming through, of course, they would come in to see the heads of the nations, and this little nation had a queen over it called the Queen of Sheba, referred to here as the Queen of the South because it was south of Palestine. The Queen of the South. They come from the utmost parts of the earth. That was the utmost parts of the known earth in that day. She was all the way down across the Sahara Desert, measured on your maps, long ways down there. So, uh, Finally, the news broke to her. And everybody would come from Palestine would say, Say, we just come through Palestine. You ought to see the unity of those people. Their God has anointed a man. And that man does the signs of a living God. A signs that a man couldn't do. Their God must be a real God. You know, faith cometh by. But you should see the great... Peered up on him. I've never seen such discernment. Oh, it's infallible every time exactly the truth. You should see it. I've never seen anything like it. She began to hunger, begin to thirst. Oh, I love that. Thirsting. Oh, when you're thirsting, there's something about it. You can't talk to a man about water until he gets thirsty. But when he gets thirsty, he's going to drink from somewhere. He's thirsting. 
Here some time ago I was reading in Psalms 63. David said, Because our loving kindness is better to me than life, I will praise thy name. I thought, what did David mean? Life, that's the greatest thing there is. So there must be uh, different interpretations of life. Now, some people think life is drinking and crowsing and going around, but that kind of life has heartaches to it. It, it finally, there's no, that ain't the kind of life that David was talking about. Now, sometimes that kind of life will make you take a pistol and blow your brains out, jump off a bridge and commit suicide. People think because, boy, if I could just make a million dollars, that would really be life. No, that's death. Here some time ago, I was with Brother Soffin in a great church, uh, the arena up in uh, Canada, in a certain big city. And it was going pretty good till the Americans come up. And they come up there some kind of a lodge. And that night when I got on the elevator coming home from the meeting, there's enough whiskey bottles on there to make a case or two of whiskey. And I said to the little boy who was taking me up, I said, What's that? He said, They're from across the line up here. He said, Some kind of a uh, society is having a, some lodge is having a, their jubilee here. He said, It's been horrible. He said, Are you Brother Branham? I said, I am. I said, it makes me kind of ashamed to be an American. He said, well, they have it here, too. So I went on up and got off the elevator. And when I got off the elevator, I heard something up the other end of the room, long hall, this big hotel. I looked up there, and here was two women coming down through there, just about 25, 30 years old, just with their underneath clothes on. And man, pulling after them like that, they had a bottle of whiskey in their hand. And both of them with wedding bands on. Their husband babysitting, perhaps, at home. Oh, they were just having a little clean fun. No wonder we're doomed. Maybe belong to a Sunday school somewhere, a Sunday school teacher. Then they come down and these guys so drunk, crawling on their knees, trying to grab them and pull what little clothes they had on off. And they come down there and they got away from them. They, and I stepped back into the little hall in the shadow. And one of them took this whiskey and took a big drink like that and give it to the other. And she pulled up her little... Uh, underneath skirt and said, Whoopee, this is life. I stood there a little bit. I walked out. I said, I beg your pardon. That's death. She said, Have a drink. I caught him by the hand. And I said, Look here at the wedding rings. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? Even if you would be no more than an American citizen, it's a disgrace to our country and our flag and what our forefathers established this nation to be. I'm an American too. I'm a gospel preacher. They started jumping and pulling and jumping and snorting and kicking at me and everything else and got away and down the hall they went. That isn't life. That's death. What makes a, What would a beautiful young woman want to do a thing like that? What would a man, maybe with his wife home, babysitting too, and him up there pulling after another man's wife? What do they drink? What causes people to sin? It's because they're thirsty. That's right. When God made a human heart, He made a little place in there for Himself. He made you so you'd thirst. Not thirst for that, but thirst for Him. How dare a man or a woman citizen of any country to try to quench that holy thirst with the things of the world. That's the reason they do it because you don't need another drink. You don't need a cigarette, you smokers. You don't need another drink, you people who drink. 
You don't need another party. You need God is what you need to thirst for righteousness. God made that place and made you to thirst. That's part of you. He made that little place in your heart to throne himself and to satisfy your thirsting. It won't do you any good. It'll make you a dope addict or, or something else, and you'll never be satisfied, and it will not be satisfied till you find the thing that it was made for. You're hybriding something again, trying to give something there that God made for himself. And that's what makes a person thirst. This little queen, how much difference she was thirsting because her little humble heart was looking for God. Now, after a while, it got to be so many coming that she thought, well, I'm going up to find out for myself. Now, there's a good idea. She could teach American women how to live. See, Americans will sit at home and, ah, well, Dr. So-and-so said it wasn't right. They'll sit at home. This woman didn't care what Dr. So-and-so said. She was thirsting to find out for herself, and she was determined to go. She had a lot to confront her. Remember, she was a pagan. She'd have to go ask her pagan priest if she could go. Let's take a trip with her. I hear her go down and say, Holy Reverend Father, is it possible that you could excuse me as a queen? I hear they have a great revival going on up here in the next nation. That God, their God, has come down and has anointed the people till they're all in one accord. He's put his spirit up on a man. He's showing great discernments. Oh, Holy Father, would you excuse me from the church so I can go? Now, my daughter, you must remember who you are. You have great prestige. Your mother went to this church. Your father went to this church. Your grandfather and grandmother and their grandfather and grandmother went to this church. Now, there's no such stuff as that. Don't you be carried away with some of that fanaticism. You know, people die, but spirits don't. So um, they still live on, have the same attitudes. So don't you hang around that bunch. They must be holy rollers up there. Don't you listen to them. Now, if there's anything going on like that, it'd happen in our church. See, it would be down here with us, they'd say. That's the way it would be, you see. So then the first thing you know, she said, but look, sir. Listen to what she said. But look, sir. All I've heard of, my great-grandmother and mother and so forth, is all just a bunch of creeds and things that you're reciting here, looking at some kind of an idol, and we've never seen one move yet. I've never seen nothing but a bunch of people that lives like the world coming here and reciting creeds and going back, and I've seen no supernatural sign of any life and any idol in the church. And they tell me that they've got the article that God lives with them. I'm going anyhow. Hey, man, I like that. You let God go to deal with the heart, then enough priests in the world to keep them away from it. Enough fanatics either keep them away from it. They're coming anyhow. God goes to dealing with the human heart. I can see her turn, go out of the church. I remember she was a woman to begin with, a little lady that had to go. Now, remember, she said this too. She said, now, I'm going up there to see about it. The first thing I better do would buy a lot of Jewish scrolls and see what kind of a God Jehovah is. It's a good idea. Search the scriptures for in them there they testify me. All right. Then she searched the scrolls and found out all was on the scrolls how Jehovah was, what his nature was, what he did. That's a good thing for every Bible reader. When you come to a meeting you can't understand it, see if it's with the scripture. If it ain't scriptural, throw the thing away. It's it's the scripture, receive it. That's right. What do what Jesus said do. 
Then she bought the scrolls and she read them over. She said, well, I know the scrolls speak it. He's that kind of, the prophets all say that he's that kind of a, a God. And he is a God of that type. So I'm going up there and I'm going to take a lot of money with me. If it is the truth, I'll support it. If it isn't the truth, then I'm not going to support it. I'll bring my money back. That would be a good lesson for a lot of Americans. If, if the American people would support that which is right, that which proves to be God, but to support everything else but that nearly. I guess it just has to be that way. Now, I remember, she saddled up her camels and took a few maids with her and the eunuchs from the temple, and she started off on her journey. Now, remember, she didn't have to go just across the street. She had hundreds of miles through the Sahara Desert, not in an air-conditioned Cadillac, but on the back of a camel. No wonder Jesus said she arrives the day of judgment and condemn this generation. Some people won't walk across the street to see one of the meetings. And she come from the utmost parts of the world to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Solomon's God is with us. Sure. Doing the same thing he did in Solomon's days. No wonder Jesus said she'd rise in the judgment and condemn this generation. And another thing, she had lots of money. Myrrh and frankincense. Oh, it's, it was... There's no way to enumerate the price. Tens of thousands of dollars worth of it. Now she had to cross the desert. Ishmael's children was out on the desert and they were robbers. But you know there's something about it. When your heart goes to hungering for God, you know no fear. You just keep on going anyhow. You don't think about it. What mama go to say, what papa go to say, what so-and-so is going to say, what my boss is going to say, you just keep moving on. When you begin to hunger and thirst for God, something begins to come. You go on after it anyhow. She started across the desert, perhaps had to travel by night because the daytime would be so hot. Them direct rays of that, pot, that uh, sun down there on that Sahara Desert would burn the hide off of you nearly. And you know how long it takes to cross well, a caravan to cross that desert? Ninety days. Three months! But there was something dragging her, pulling her. Oh, God. Whew. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst. For they shall be filled. Hungering and thirsting. All till you get thirsty, you can't talk about it to you. But when you go to thirsting, you're ready then. She, was had, she wasn't thinking about Ishmael's children. God would protect that. If this God was God, he would protect her. And she was on her road. Day and daytime, she'd lay around her, or with her little maids along there and read these scrolls. And say, is that great sky? Did Jehovah make that? Did he do this? I'm going to find out. They say they got a sign there. I'm going to see if it's right. Finally, she arrived at the palace gates. When she finally got to the palace gates, she never come just to say, I'm going in and sit down. And if that guy says one thing against our theology at our church, I'll get right up and stomp out of the building. Oh, that's the American attitude, you see. Well, not hers. She come to sit there until she was fully convinced. Tighten it with the scriptures. She placed her tents and everything, got ready for the meeting. And I can imagine the next morning she cleaned up in her best and her and her maids, and they went to the door, and all the choirs sang the great psalms, and the trumpets sounded, and the sacrifices offered. All the preliminaries got out of the way, and out on the platform comes Solomon. She said, oh, there he is. 
That must be the guy that God's got anointed. Now, if this God, now let me see now. Let me see. I rehearsed all these prophets now. I'll see if it's right. First thing you know, they brought the first case up. And she found that Solomon's spirit of discernment was perfect. Day after day, she watched it. Not a flaw in it nowhere. Her little heart began to beat. After a while, as it began to beat heavy, finally her prayer card was called. And she come up. And um, when she got up there, she stood before Solomon. She had a secret in her heart. And Solomon, the Bible said, told her all things. There was nothing kept back. God revealed everything to Solomon that she wanted to know. Is that right? That's the spirit of discernment. Sure. Reveal it all to her. And when she, her prayer card was called and she got up there and Solomon revealed the whole thing to her by the Spirit of God, she turned to the audience and she said, All that I have heard is the truth. And more than I've heard is the truth. It's greater than I thought. Why? She is standing in the presence of Jehovah. Hallelujah. <sighs> Wish I could get that the way I see it. <laughs> oh, my. Do you realize when the Holy Spirit comes down in the power of God strikes the place, Jehovah is present. That same Jehovah. How can we sit still? What must we do? You see, we think, oh, if I was back there then, you'd felt the same way you do now. It's greater now than it is then. Because there's on one man. Here it's only all people that will receive him. It was for one man, Solomon. Now it's for whosoever will let him come. Amen. A greater than Solomon is here. Showing the sign of his resurrection. He was made flesh and died to take away your sins. Rose again on the third day and come back in the form of the Holy Ghost. And the works that he did, he's doing right among the people. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah means praise our God. Oh, yes, he's sure. No wonder Jesus said she'll rise in the day of the judgment and condemn this sinner. Besides that, look what she said to Shreveport and a lot of these places, the Pentecostal churches. Not only that, but blessed is the ones that's with you, that stand and minister with you. Blessed are they, for they see, they see these things happening day after day. Amen. Blessed are they. Blessed are the men that's with you, that stand by you, that see this gift operating day after day. Jesus said she'll rise in the judgment and condemn that generation. That's right, and condemn this generation. For how much more will she condemn this one than to that one? Because look at the much more light that we've got since that day. Death, burial, resurrection, the Holy Ghost itself right with us. See what I mean? It's too common. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit is to the Pentecostal people. It's too common. An old a man one time lived in the interior, was on his road down to the seashore, and he'd write books, and he'd often wrote of the sea, how beautiful it was. One day on his road down, he went down to the seashore and he met an old salt coming from the sea. And he said, where goest thou, my good man? He said, oh, I'm going to the sea. I've never seen it in my life. And he said, I want to see its big briny white waves as they dash. 
I want to smell the salt air. I want to hear the cry of the seagull. The old salt stood there and looked, chewed on his pipe stem a little bit. So I was born on it. I've been on it for 50 years. I don't see nothing so thrilling about it. And went on. That's it. He was so used to it, it wasn't thrilling to him anymore. That's what's the matter with the church today. You've seen so much of it, it doesn't thrill you anymore. The Holy Spirit so good to visit you time after time after time after time, and we forget it. In Louisville, Kentucky, a few weeks ago, there's a mother packing a little baby along. And she's walking along there, and she was shaking little toys, you know, saying, See, darling? See, darling? Then she gets something else. See, darling? See, darling? The little baby just kept staring. And after a while, it kind of disturbed the people in the store. Finally, she picked up a little bell, a jingle. She said, look, darling, look, 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 look. Mommy's darling, look. And the little baby just stared out. And she fell across the counter, and the people come to help her. They said, what's the matter? She said, oh, my little boy here not long ago said, just start staring right out in space. And said, I took him to the doctor a while ago, and he said he was better, but he isn't. Said nothing will attract him. Said things that ought to attract a little boy his age. It doesn't attract him. He just sits and stares in space. How true that is with the church today. God shook every kind of a gift he came before the church. And they still sat and stare looking for something else. That's right. God's going to get tired shaking gifts before you after a while. That paralyzed. See an old Roberts and so forth. Healing the sick and great signs and wonders of the resurrected Messiah. And the people said, say, well, I don't know. <laughs> it don't attract them anymore. Something has happened to their minds. It seems like they're just mentally upset or spiritually upset. And their character. You can tell them about holiness and how to live. They don't pay a bit more attention to that as if you didn't even say it. it doesn't, they don't realize that a son and daughter of God should act like a son and daughter of God. They should realize their position. Not fuss and fight and stew and carry on whole grudges. Here some time ago in the South here, they used to sell the colored for slaves. And they'd sell them on the lots just like you would cars, used cars, and get a bill of sale with them. Never was right. Then when um, one day there's a broker came by and wanted to buy some slaves on a plantation. And they'd buy the big men and breed them to big women and make heavier slaves to pull their carts and plows and things and do their work. And one day, a broker came by and he said, how many slaves you got? He said, oh, I got a hundred or two. He said, take a look at them. He noticed all of them. They was away from their homelands and it had to whip them and everything to make them obey and because they were sad, they know they'd never be back home no more. They'd have to die here in a strange land and they never would be back home no more. But they noticed one young man. They didn't have to whip him. Boy, he had his chest out, his chin up. He's always on the go. That broker said, I'd like to buy that slave. He said, but he's not for sale. So why is he for sale? said, is he the boss or the rest of them? said, no, he's a slave. said, do you feed him different than you feed the rest of them? So they all eat in the galley together. said, what makes him so much different than the rest of the slaves? And the owner said, I wondered that for a long time, but one day I found out. Over in the homeland where he came from in Africa, his father is a king over the tribe. And though he's an alien and away from his homeland, he still conducts himself as a king's son. Hmm. Why aren't we to conduct ourselves as cowards? We are sons and daughters of God. We're aliens. We're pilgrims and strangers here. But we walk back up on God's word. It's his 
We are sons and daughters of the King. Oh, lie, steal, drink, smoke, carry on like that. Women shouldn't cut their hair and act like street women dressed in them kind of clothes. We're sons and daughters of God. King's sons and king's daughters. This is not our land. We'll die in this land someday, but we're on a road home. Let's conduct ourselves as sons and daughters of God. That's right. And the queen of the south shall rise in the day of judgment and condemn this generation because she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Let's bow our heads just a moment. I'm the child of a king. I'm the child of the king. With Jesus, my Savior, I'm the child of the king. My father is rich with houses and land. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hand. Of rubies and diamonds, of silver and gold, his coffers are full. He has riches untold. I'm the child of a king, a child of the king. With Jesus, my Savior, I'm the child of the King. Mm-hmm. If you're not a child of the King and would like to be tonight to come join the ranks in the mystical body of Christ and receive Him as personal Savior, be filled with the Spirit. Would you raise your hands and say, pray for me, Brother Branham. I haven't got time to make the altar call here. just want to know if you'd like me to pray for you. God bless you, sir. God bless you all around through the building. God bless you. Many hands, dozen or two, went up. Once more now, while the Holy Spirit sinks it deep into their heart. I'm the child of the King, a child of the King, with Jesus, my Savior, I'm a child of the King. Father God, it was you that said the Queen of the South shall rise up. And in this last quotation that would condemn the generation and Jonas, the evil and sign-seeking generation, we got them today, Father. They just won't believe it the way you wrote it. They say, 
Let me see you do something. Show me a miracle. Show me this. They don't realize that spirit within them has been down through the ages in people. They said to our Lord, show us a sign. We seek a sign. He said, all this wicked generation will receive a sign, the resurrection sign. We're so glad tonight. And that sign that he was talking about then on Jonas, the very thing that they said he was a Beelzebub because he could discern the thoughts of their heart, the very same chapter said he perceived the thoughts in their heart, and they said he was a devil. And he told them how the queen of the south come all the way from Sheba to hear the, the wisdom of Solomon. And a greater than Solomon was there. And now today that same resurrected Lord Jesus is in our midst in the form of the Holy Ghost. With us here. Moving in us. Doing the same things. And the evil generation, adulterous generation, marrying, given in marriage, divorce courts, perversions, sex perversions, all kinds of evil. Show us a sign. You're doing it. The resurrection. But they won't believe it, Father. Now these in here. And as I said about the, the colored slave, how that he didn't have to be whipped. No. No matter how tough it was for him, he still knew he was a, a king's son. He kept the morals of the rest of them up on his own behavior. Father, let us as Christians, the ones who are strong in Christ, act like children of God, talk like children of God, positive on God's Word, knowing what the Holy Ghost has done for us. Many hands went up that they wanted to receive Him as personal Savior and become His child. God, I pray that in this prayer line somewhere, or somewhere in the meeting, that you'll show that sign of the resurrection that you promised through Jonah. And may that hour or that moment, may the power of God seal them in their heart with the Holy Spirit and make them sons and daughters of God, that their character would be changed, their desires and their objectives and motives and everything in their life would be changed. Grant it, Lord, we're waiting farther on you. The service is yours. It's in your name. And we're waiting to see what you will do. Save these, Lord. Don't let them leave this building tonight without salvation. Grant it, Lord. May they all be filled with the Holy Ghost. And may this be the climax of their life right now. That they'll go from this building tonight, and many others that did not raise their hands, rejoicing, saying, Didn't our hearts burn within us? And we know that Jesus is raised from the dead because we've seen him healing the sick and doing exactly what he said he would do in the last days. We humbly receive him. Grant it, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With Jesus, our Savior, oh, we are a child of the King. Can you raise your hands and sing it with me once? I'm a child of the King. A 
Music, if you will, constantly with that sister Anna Jean. I believe Paul told me. I believe you 50 cards, wasn't it, Bill? Prayer cards B. Taking up the old ones and giving the new ones so I wouldn't get confused. Now, 50 prayer cards. Now, tonight, we won't start. We're just going to pray for the sick. We believe that in this prayer line, I want to pray for all of them. I want everybody to be prayed for. And so now we're going to call those people up here. <clears throat> Prayer card, as I call your number, will you stand so that if somebody, we have to help around where well, we can get them to the line. Prayer card number one, who has it? Are you sure you were right? Prayer card number one, what is, what's the letter? B number one, you have it, lady? Come right down here. Get a chair and sit down there, Billy. Perfect. Number two, who has prayer card two? Would you raise your hand? The lady here. Number three, help me, somebody. Brother Palmer, watch for their hand. Raise up your hand if you can when I call your number. Number three, this man here. Number four, number five, just come right up. Just take your place. Number six, number seven, number eight, nine. Ten. Usually, if we're going to have a line of discernment, I always try to uh, just go over and begin at 20 or 30 or somewhere like that. But this way, it doesn't make any difference because we're, we're going to pray right down the line because we'll try to pray for all of them. Ten, eleven. Help me now. Prayer card eleven. Eleven. Got it. Twelve. Watch there. Twelve. Thirteen. 13, 14, 15, 15, all right, 16, 
17. Some of us got it and went home. What say? Around this way. All right. We'll start right here then. Move it right. Huh? Oh, yeah. 17. All right. Right here. Who's that 17? No one? Remember, I called it. 18? 19? 20? Uh, 21? Just stand right here until he's ready for you. Come right in here. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. I didn't see 30. Prayer card 30. 30. See it? Everybody speaks English. Anybody know if anybody speaks French or something? 30? 30? Oh, you have? Oh, I didn't know it's part of me. 31? 32? 31? 31? 32? That's it. 33? That's the way. 33? 34? 35? 36? 37? 38? 39? 40? That's it. Lying right up here. See? Come this way, everybody now coming through there. See? Have you leave. All right, forty, forty-one, forty-two, forty-three, forty-four, forty-five, forty-six. Didn't see it, did you? Forty-six. Yeah, forty-six, forty-seven, forty-seven, forty-eight. All right. Forty-nine, fifty, fifty. Did I see it? Fifty, fifty. Is that that's all of them? All right. Now, while they're lining up, as you're calling their, their names and lining them up, and, and uh, someone will help them down there to get the people lined up. This is a long prayer line. We're just going to take our time and pray for each one. Now. Now, be real reverent, everyone, while they're getting the prayer lines lined up. Now, I'd like to say this to you. Now, how many knows that there's no man that can heal you? How many knows that healing is, divine healing is a finished work of God at Calvary? See? And it's based upon whosoever will may come and accept their healing by faith you believe it. Is that right? By faith you believe it. Now, some people has gifts, like a real good preacher. He can make take that word of God and just lay it out there like that, some good theologian. And can, that's the gift of healing. They can make you see it through the word. Now, I can't do that because I, I'm just not that much of a preacher. So then, I, I can't do it that way. God seeing my ignorance of that. So then, he gave me another way to let you see it. He gave me a gift to manifest the resurrection of his son, Jesus. Through that you might believe. That's a good way, isn't it? To believe on the Son of God. Isn't that right? And when you do that, then you'll, you'll, you'll be healed. Now, if he can prove that he's here, 
How many understands that now? Let's see. I'm just looking for something to happen in this prayer line tonight. I don't know why. I just, just feel real good. And I, I feel that, that something will take place. Yes, the people that's crippled or anything, you set them right along here, like the chairs and so forth. I'll, I'll come down and pray for them, sir. I want to lay these up here. I, I like to feel the anointing of the Spirit first before I, I pray for these claws and things. <clears throat> now, I want you to be real reverent and just... Now, I don't, when I mean reverent, see, when the Holy Spirit is speaking. Now, all these people in this prayer line are strangers to me. I don't, I don't see a person along there I know. Is Brother Babs in there? Yes, Brother Babs is back there. I know him. I guess, you see anybody in there that I know? A lady's nodding her head there that I know her, so I, I know you there, lady. Uh, oh, I prayed for you. I mean, I, well, I know this. I don't know nothing what's wrong with you. I have no idea of knowing what's wrong with you. Sure. But God does know, doesn't he? So that's what we're thinking of. Now, in the audience, I guess all the prayer cards are standing here in the line. You in the audience that hasn't got a prayer card, and yet you believe that God will heal and make you well. How many believe that? Now, may God grant it. Now, let's not be in no hurry, everybody reverent. Now, for this prayer line, it'll probably take about 20 minutes to get the prayer line through. And then when we do, I want to not just pass them through laying hands on them. I want to pray for them. I, 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 I believe that uh, that's the way if I, God will let me do it. But I want you to know now, without any discernment, the Holy Spirit's here anyhow. Here not long ago, there's a man in a certain meeting just didn't believe in my teaching on the Bible. And he goes to a meeting, a certain fellow did, and not knowing it, I know about it, because he's no more seeing it than I see it in the vision in my hotel room. <laughs> I don't see how some people can do that and come up and say these things when you know you know better. So um, he said, now, Brother Branham is a prophet of the Lord. He said, but don't listen to his teaching because he's wrong. The same Holy Spirit that preached the service tonight, the same Holy Spirit preaches all these things, is the same Holy Spirit that discerns the thoughts of the heart. Certainly. What is the mark of a prophet? He's a divine interpreter of the divine word. That's exactly. The word of the Lord came to the prophet. That's who it came to. Not the theologian, the prophet. Do you know what prophet means? Take the dictionary and look and see what it means. An interpreter of the divine word. And then come and say such as that. See how people just got so churchy until they don't know God no more. That's it. That's what makes us so muley. <laughs> it's just you want to get back to that stage of Real, genuine, Holy Ghost faith. Yeah, I see one man. I know this Baptist brother sitting over here, Brother Dalton. I want to say something. I'm expecting, Brother Dalton. You see why I'm lining him up there about. 
How many heard the story of the squirrels and things you all did down here, I guess, and so forth? A new ministry's taken a hold in my life. That's what I got these here for tonight to try. I've seen it happen about three or four times. The first time it ever happened on a mortal being. The second time it happened was this Baptist brother sitting over here. You stand there at the church. His children, teenage, reckless as they could be. And he'd been, we'd been praying for his children. All at once, that same Jehovah Jireh turned around. I said, I give you your children in the name of Jesus Christ. I think every one of them is saved now. Every one of them, all of them saved, every one of them. The brother sitting right there from Willow Shade or Somerset, isn't it? Kentu- Somerset, Kentucky. Somebody in here, some of you Baptists, want to see a Baptist preacher with the Holy Ghost? Stand up just a minute, Brother Dalton. There's a Kentucky Baptist preacher with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> isn't it wonderful? It sure is. All right. Now, let's be real reverend. Brother Brown, are you, or some of you help from this side of the platform. Now, you without prayer cards, be real reverent. Just be real quiet now. Everybody. Now, if the Lord does something and you want to praise Him, all right. But see, just keep your position. Keep waiting. Keep under expectation. You out there now that doesn't have a prayer card, maybe the Holy Spirit would say, Turn around. How many never was in one of these meetings before? I see your hands. Never was in a... Well, my, my. I guess it's... Do you still understand the meeting, my ministry? It's never been in one, but yet you understand it. Raise your hands. Well, that's okay then. You, you haven't... You understand. See, it isn't me, but Jesus, the Son of God, is the high priest of our profession, confession, the same thing, sitting at the right hand of the majesty of God, sitting there making intercessions upon our confession. Is that right? First we have to confess he's done it. Then he starts making intercessions. And he's a high priest that can be touched by what? The feeling of our infirmities. Then, if we can touch him with our infirmities and he's the same high priest yesterday, today, and forever, wouldn't he act the same way? Is that right? Then how did he do when a woman touched him? He turned around, told her about a blood issue, and told her her faith had saved her. Is that right? How many out there thinks you got it's sick and thinks you got faith enough to touch him? Let's see your hands everywhere. It's your sick. God bless you. I believe let's All right. Let's just have one so we can get started as anointing. If it's just one person you all want to say you just go ahead. Is that right? I want to find the anointing first so that people will realize this woman here. I suppose we're strangers to one another, are we lady? We do not know each other. All right, here's a lady that's a stranger to me. We were born miles apart, years apart, and this is our first time we've ever met in life, as far as I know. She says she's a stranger, and God knows I don't know her. It's something the woman's here for. Maybe domestic trouble, maybe financial trouble, it may be sickness, it may be for somebody else. I don't know. But this is a sign like St. John 4 to make it scriptural to you. A woman and a man meeting for their first time on earth. Jesus talked to the woman just a few minutes to find out, to catch her spirit. How many knows that? He got talking to her about segregation. She said, it's not right for you to ask me, the Samaritan, but uh, have any dealings with each other. But when he found her trouble, he said, go get your husband and come here. And he told her, and she said, I, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now we know that when the Messiah cometh, who's called the Christ. When he, we know he's coming. When he comes, that'll be his sign. How many knows that? The Bible teaches that. 
Well, if that was the Messiah's sign yesterday, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, wouldn't it be the same sign today? Here we are, two together. Never met before. Now, if he will tell her what has been, now she'll know whether it's true or not, what's wrong with her, or what she's here for, something, I don't know, or what it is, then she'll know whether it's true or not. Then surely she would know it. Everybody would have to be from some spiritual power, is that right? Because there's no way for me to know the woman. I've never seen her. She don't know me. And here we stand. And you out there, I don't know you. But God knows you. And he promised to do this. He's not doing this because he, uh, he just wants to show you his goodness. He's doing it to fulfill his word. Jesus healed the sick, not because he had to, but because he wanted to fulfill the word. That's exactly that's why he did it. It might be fulfilled, which is spoken to the prophet. And this is, might be fulfilled or spoken by Jesus, that he had do it in these last days. Oh, we ought to tear the building down, look like, with joy. See? But we're still shaking the little bells and staring, you see. Oh, glory. Hmm. Just that's, when that comes up, you feel it. It's just something I don't know. You say you don't feel that. You just think I don't. Sure do. All right, sister, just a word with you. Just to talk to you a minute. One of these days, we're going to meet God. We're going to have to give an account of all the things that we've ever done in life. If the Lord God will reveal to me something that you're here for or something another in your life, well, you know where this right or not, won't you? And then if he does, will you believe then? You know I couldn't do it because I don't know yet. If uh, he'll do it, then you believe it's his power, his spirit that's doing it? You sure would. That's fine. I'm doing this just merely to, to, to catch your spirit. Exactly. We are here, two human beings, and this is the first time meeting, and your spirit and I'm a spirit, the Holy Spirit's here trying to find the trouble. Yes, sir? I see what the woman's wrong with her. She's got a cancer. And the cancer is on your hand you got covered up. That's true. Keep me from seeing it. But he knows it. <laughs> That's right, all right, sir. Got high blood pressure. Complications. Is that right? Raise up your hand. That's right. Now, do you believe? Sure. Then I condemn all your ailments in the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Amen. Go home and be well now. Jesus Christ, make you well. I'm a stranger to this woman. Was born probably miles apart and years apart. She's a lot younger than I, and this is our first time meeting. Well, wait, I wasn't to have that discernment, but I was just going to go on. But, well, I started. Might as well go ahead. On the, all right? Now, lady, if I will be able through the Holy Spirit to tell you something uh, about yourself, something that uh, you know that I do not know, then would you accept me as his servant? And believe that that spirit is the Christ, the Son of God, you would believe that. It's really not you. It's someone else. It's an elderly woman. It's her mother. She has a tumor. I see you looking in a showcase window in some place. I've seen it before. It looks... It's Arkansas. 
Fort Smith. Your mother has been in my meeting somewhere. She was healed before. That's right. Your husband has something wrong with his eyes, doesn't he? Sitting out here. He's going to be all right now. You're Mrs. Metcalf now. You just return back, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and be made well. Some of you out there without a prayer card now. You believe with all your heart. Do you believe? Elderly lady, you don't have a prayer card. Of course you don't. If I can't heal you, Mother, it's your daughter. You believe that God will reveal to me what's wrong with you? You'll accept it? It's heart trouble. That's right. If that's right, raise up your hand. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Go home and receive it. Have faith in God. Don't doubt. Believe all things. That man sitting out there is Fistula. You believe Jesus Christ will make you well? If you can accept it, all right, sir. Raise up your hand. White shirt on. Kind of surprised you had that much faith, didn't it? The lady sitting out there with a little hat, having headaches, aren't you, sister? My grand. Have faith in God. God will heal you. Now, you see, you don't have to be up here. You have to have faith in God. Isn't that right? Have faith in God. That's all. You believe with all your heart? Don't doubt. Believe. Have faith. Have faith in God. I don't know this man. He's a stranger to me. Is that right, sir? If God will reveal to me your troubles, will you believe on me as his servant, believe on Christ as being the Son of God? You will? You have asthma, asthmatic condition. Here's another thing wrong. The big thing is wrong with you. You're not a Christian. You need Christ to be your Savior because you're shattered in blackness. You accept Jesus as your Savior? Will you accept Him as your personal Savior now? And He'll heal you and make you well. Will you receive Him? Raise up your hand to Him and say, Lord, I believe you. If you'll do it right now and with all your heart, He'll heal you of your asthma. The decision is yours. Come over here and sit down and think it over just a minute. Believe with it. You accept Him? That I pronounce you healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Go be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, calling on the name of the Lord. Do you believe? You believe he'll heal you that nervousness? All right, go ahead. Be healed. You believe he'll heal you that diabetes? Go and be healed. Be made well. You believe your arthritis will be gone and God will make you well? Go and be healed in the name of the Lord. Believe God will heal that cancer? Go be healed in the name of the Lord. You believe he'll heal that cancer and make you well? Go believe in the name of the Lord and be made well. If thou canst believe, do you believe with all your heart, everybody? Everybody believe? Or if I don't say a thing to you and just lay my hands on you, will you get well? Lay... In the name of Jesus Christ, go and be healed. Amen. Believe. 
You believe with all your heart? You're already healed. When that man back there got healed, that rectal trouble, fistula like. Go believe. Mr. Allen, he made well in the name of Jesus Christ. Come. You got stomach trouble, or you did have. Go eat. Jesus Christ. You believe now? Everybody have faith. Believe with all your heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus, go be made well. You said you knew me out there, and that's the reason I didn't say anything. Go, go have in faith. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, may our brother be healed. Amen. These signs shall follow them. That God will heal your kidney trouble, honey, and you'll get well. Go believing with all your heart. Look here, sweetheart. Your heart's going to be all right now, and you're going to be well. that help you? Oh, hey, go and be well in Jesus' name. I bless this cloth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have faith. You believe, sister? I pray for my sister in the name of Jesus Christ that she'll be made well. For God's glory. Amen. Come. You need blood. Anemia. You believe that God will give you the... In the name of Jesus Christ, may you receive it. Amen. Have faith in God. You believe, sir. In the name of Jesus Christ, may God of heaven make you well. Amen. Have faith. Now, don't doubt. Brother Babs, come here. Been my brother for many days. Lord God, creator of heavens and earth, send thy blessings upon this my loyal friend and make him well. Through Jesus Christ's name, I bless him. You who could put the fruit in his daughter's womb and give her a lovely children, you can also put healing in his body. In the name of Jesus, grant it. Amen. Go back and be well, my brother. God bless you. Sister Moore, of course, I know you too. O eternal and righteous God, creator of heavens and earth, Give thy blessings unto this, my sister. She's becoming into your work soon, Lord. I believe that her and Brother Jack will be out in your work completely. I now ask that the weakness and things leave her body and she be made well in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, Sister Moore. Go believing now. I truly believe that. If thou canst believe all things are possible. Do you believe that? Mm-hmm. You're nervous, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You think his ear will get all right? You'll be all right? All right, go believe. Oh, God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll bless our sister. Heal her, I pray, in Jesus' name. With this great, mighty church sitting here under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, seeing the signs that Solomon did, and are greater than Solomon is here, the Lord Jesus himself in form of the Holy Ghost. May these people never doubt. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Baby. In the name of Jesus Christ, God's Son, I lay hands upon the little one and rebuke this devil. In the Jesus' name, may he come out and be well. Amen. Have faith now. God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke the devil that's done this to my sister. May she be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Come, sister. 
Father God, with your anointing here upon us, and as the ransomed church of God, we pray this prayer of faith for our sister. Command this devil to leave her in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Eternal God, Jehovah, come in the power of your resurrection and heal this our sister in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. O oh, eternal God, take the nervousness in this poor little woman and let her go and be well in Jesus' name. Amen. The reason I said that it left you right there. See, you go bleeding on it. It'll be all right. Blessed Father, with hands laid upon this woman, with the Holy Ghost anointing here, I pray that you will heal her in Jesus' name. Amen. Believe now all your heart. Great Jehovah God, I pray for my sister along with this mighty church. In the name of Jesus Christ, may she be healed. Amen. Lord, with my hands laid upon his, I ask this petition and this prayer for him. In the name of Jesus Christ, may he be healed. Amen. Eternal God, author of everlasting life, giver of every good gift, send thy blessings upon our sister. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you'll heal this woman and make her completely whole through the resurrection of Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, heal this little girl and make her completely whole for your glory. Amen. Eternal and righteous God, we are waiting to see your great hand. Move, O God, and heal our sister in Jesus' name. Eternal God, author of life, bless my brother who I bless in Jesus' name for his healing. Amen. Jehovah, Jarrah, the healer, come and be merciful to this little woman, seriously sick. May she be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Jehovah God, in the name of Jesus Christ, heal this my sister who I pray for. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Bible said, These signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. You promised it, God. I'm believing it, and I know that we are anointed now with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Eternal God, bless my sister Schrader. I pray, God, that you'll give her strength like she's never had before. May she go from here tonight in the power and spirit of the Holy Ghost and serve you all the days of her life. Get glory out of her, Lord, but she has to have strength. Strengthen her, Lord, and this nervousness that's doing this evil to her, I condemn it in the name of Jesus Christ. Sister Schrader, in the name of the Lord, there's nothing wrong with you but your nerves. I say that in Jesus' name. You haven't got one speck of TV or nothing. It's your nerves and it's getting you down. Rebuke the thing and walk away and be well. God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you'll heal her in Jesus' name. Amen. Eternal God, I lay hands upon this, my brother. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask for his healing. Amen. Bless you, brother. Lord God, the God of hosts, I pray that you'll help this poor little weak woman and give her strength and heal her in Jesus' name. Amen. Go 
happy, sister. In the name of Jesus Christ, I lay hands upon this man and heal him in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll heal our sister and make her well to the glory of God. Amen. Heavenly Father, I lay hands upon my sister and heal her in the name of Jesus Christ. May she go and be well. Amen. Dear God, I lay my hands upon this little boy and ask for his healing in the name of Jesus Christ. May he go and be well. God of heaven, I lay my hands upon my sister and ask that in the name of Jesus Christ that her faith won't fail. She'll be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. God, this little mother with her head bowed, I pray that you'll heal her. I offer this prayer of faith all my heart for her. In Jesus' name, may she go and be healed. O eternal and blessed God, I lay my hands upon her in the name of Jesus Christ and ask for her healing. Amen. Eternal and blessed God, I lay my hands upon my sister and ask for her healing in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Eternal and blessed Father, who brought again Jesus from the dead, I lay hands upon my brother and ask for his healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. A lady couldn't come up. One of the cards. Where's she at? One that couldn't come up with the red coat. What's this lady sitting right here? All right. I'll come lay hands on you if you believe. These here too. Do you have a card? Right here? Yes. You don't have one? Kitty trouble left you anyhow, so just leave with all your heart. <laughs> trouble too. See that devil try to get between them two women there just then? One more than the other. Just as soon as I mentioned you, it went right to that woman there. Come back and forth and I seen that dark streak leading over and I seen what her trouble was. Come right back and you got the same thing. Frankly, you haven't got but a half a kidney. Your left one's gone, your right one's only half. That is true. You want to go back south from here and go well? You do? You will? All right, Miss Dobbs, you can go back home and be healed then, if you believe with all your heart. Eternal and righteous God, upon the head of my Hallelujah. sister I lay my hands and ask in Jesus' name for her healing. Yes. Merciful and almighty God.